John chapter 10, verse 19. There was a division, therefore again among the Jews for these sayings. And many of them said, He hath a devil and is mad. Why hear ye him? Others said, These are not the words of him that hath a devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? Here there's a group of intelligent people, Jewish people, that looked at Jesus Christ and what he said and what he did, and they basically said he was a crazy man. He was a man that was insane, a wild man. They said he was a man that was possessed of a devil. And you have to ask yourself, are the words they said have any validity to them whatsoever? With that being said, uh, there can be no justifiable argument about it. There has never been a man upon this earth like the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet on the flip side of that, I remind you that there has never been another man on this earth whose words and deeds, whose life and ministry has been more misunderstood, misrepresented, and misappropriated and applied than this man uh, called Jesus Christ. Christian doctrine teaches us that he participates in our humanity. Therefore, he is the son of man. Uh, Because of sovereign divine, uh, the divinity that he is, uh, he also is known as the son of God. And yet incarnational theology teaches us that because he was 100% man and 100% God and he came upon this earth, the theology teaches us that indeed he is our redeemer. And we know then that also uh, this particular liberation theology uh, teaches us that Jesus was always in the corner of the outcast, the downcast, uh, always in the corner uh, of those that were oppressed and those that were on the bottom of the rung, if you will. But Isaiah said, referring to Jesus, that he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And yet the pages of history tell us that scholars have debated him, intellectuals have discussed him, uh, philosophers have debated him. We also know that skeptics have denied him. Uh, Wars have been fought over him. Kings and kingdoms rise and fall as a result of him. Uh, Preachers have preached about him. Teachers have taught about him. And we also know today uh, uh, that anthems have been sung about him. And uh, uh, writers have written about him. And cathedrals and churches have been built all around the world to worship him. And yet there are people that still reject him uh, in this world today. And yet the record is clear. There has never been a man upon the face of this earth that's been like Jesus Christ the Lord. People have not only doubted and debated about who he is, they have also debated about the words that he's had to say unto us. They asked the question, can we rely on what this man said? There's always been questions surrounding Jesus Christ. Uh, The way that he was conceived, the way that he was born, the life that he lived, the ministry he had, uh, the way he died rose from the grave, ascended back to the right hand of God the Father, and the way that he ever lives to make intercession for the saints again, and the fact that he claims to come again, there has always been controversy around this man, Jesus Christ the Lord. People stood perplexed when he was a 12-year-old boy, stood in the temple and debating with the lawyers of that day. Men were perplexed with Jesus Christ when he would kneel down on the ground and with his finger right in the dust of the ground, perhaps the sins of those Pharisees, 
and yet by the same breath, he forgave a woman that was caught in the very act of adultery. I remind you, there's always been questions surrounding this man by the name of Jesus. So many questions that even one day, Jesus went to his own disciples, and he said, you know, people say this about me and that about me, and accuse me of this and accuse me of that, but I want to know, who do you all say that I really am? And the disciples themselves said, well, uh, some say that you have that uh, thundering personality like some of the other prophets. Uh, Some say you're a visionary, much like Elijah. Uh, Some say that you are a weeping prophet like Jeremiah. Uh, But Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? And it was Peter that stood up and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. I believe it would come to this day and age in which you and I live in. We are in the last days. And too many people are in the last days, D-A-Z-E, to what's going on in this world. We had better make up our mind first and foremost, who is this Jesus? Indeed, is he a man that's insane? Is he a man that is crazy? Is he a man that's demon possessed? Or is he indeed who he claimed to be, the very son of God, that has all power both in heaven and earth? Did he really defeat sin by dying? Did he really defeat the grave by resurrection? Did he really defeat the devil uh, by stepping on his head and severing his head? Or is he just some fly by the night religion? Is it just something that we do on Sunday and tip him going out the door? Or do we know him as did Peter? He is my Lord and you are my Savior and you are the resurrected Son of God to whom I not only pledge my allegiance but I give my life lock, stock, and barrel. We had better know who is this Jesus, this barefooted preacher of Galilee uh, that we've come here to worship even this day. One day, Philip and Nathaniel, they were debating the origin of Jesus Christ. And in the midst of it, even they said, can anything good uh, come out of Nazareth? No matter what men say about him, there's always been debate on the table uh, concerning who Jesus Christ really is. Who is this man called Jesus? I remind you the debate was nowhere clearer uh, than in the text that I read this morning. We see here that somewhere between Jesus' discourse on the good shepherd and a conversation and so forth that teaching that took place in the temple at Solomon's porch, there was something that took place during that time. There was a controversy that erupted among the people. I remind you, this was not the first time that there had been a controversy around the Lord Jesus Christ. To my knowledge, this was the third controversy that we find recorded simply in the Gospel of John. In John 7, 43 was the first one. It concerned itself with the fact that some said that he was a prophet. Others said he was not a prophet. And then they said, let's just stone him to death right here. And the Bible said that there was a division among the people because of him. The next division can be found in John 9, 16. In this text, Jesus uh, had healed a man that had been born blind. A miracle, a tremendous demonstration of Holy Ghost power uh, healed a blind man that was born blind. And yet there was debate about him. They said, this cannot be God. This cannot be the working of God uh, because he did this on the Sabbath day and therefore he must be of a devil. And again, the scripture said, and there was division among them because of him. 
This brings me to the text this evening. The Jews said here that he was mad, that he had a devil in him, and people were wasting their time listening to this man called Jesus. Yes, they debated the matter. This was not the first time that people had been on the opposite sides of the fence concerning Jesus Christ. The text said that the opinion of many of these people was Jesus was a madman. In their thinking, he was crazy. He was a French fry away from a happy meal. Uh, he was out of touch with reality. There was something wrong with this particular man. And many respectable educated, reverend, well-established people in the community said he is a mad man. He is a crazy man. He is possessed of the, of, the, of the devil. Now notice this. It was not just his enemies that said that. It was not just his adversaries that said that he's mad and out of touch. In reality, it was the educated people. Friend of mine, if it is true, and if ifs and buts were candy nuts would have Christmas every day, but if it is true, that Jesus Christ was insane, if he was mad, if he had a demon, somebody better stand up and warn us because we've got our, our ladder leaning against the wrong building if he is a heretic or a man that's insane or a man that has psychological problems. But I'm here to tell you, do not come to a quick judgment about Jesus Christ. Don't come to a conclusion about Jesus Christ until all of the facts have been put upon the table. Uh, don't allow the opinion of the educated people. Uh, don't allow the opinion of the psychologists of this day. Don't allow the opinion of the politicians of this day. Don't allow the opinion of movie stars and singers and all these people uh, give you a conclusion as to who Jesus Christ may be. Oh, they can study him from a distance and they can put him in a think tank and their, their philosophical too. But let me tell you, if you'll just fall in love with this barefooted man of Galilee, if you'll but humble yourself and call upon him and say, Lord, I want you, I love you, I need you. He'll come in your heart. He'll change you from the inside out. He'll make you be a brand new born again person. He'll put eternity within your heart. He'll give you a reason to live. He'll give you a reason to get up in the morning. He'll put joy in your heart. He'll put peace in your spirit because there's nobody in this world like my Lord and my Savior Jesus Christ. Let the skeptic remain skeptical. I let the unbeliever stand their unbelief and let the world go to hell if it wants to. I serve a redeemer who is alive, who overcame death and the grave and he ever lives and thank God he's going away to prepare a place and he's coming back to get this old preacher to take him home one day. And if he don't come back and I go by the way of the grave, thank God he's the pathfinder. He has not just gone through the valley of the shadow of death, he has gone through death itself and he came out on the other other side, victorious, glory to God. Who is this Jesus? He is who he said he was, or he's the biggest liar that ever walked upon the face of God's green earth. I'm not trying to bring politics into this this morning, but there are many people out there crying how incompetent our president is today. Many are saying that he's mental problems, unfit for the office of presidency. Some have gone on record as saying he's mentally and psychologically unfit to be president, therefore he must be impeached. But yet people that know him in a circle say he's a specimen of mental health. Psychologically, he's intact, he's in tune. Who do you believe? By the same token, who do you believe the accusations coming against Jesus by those people? Or what the Word of God says. Amen. 
There's no way to avoid this in this life or the time of Jesus. And that is, there's a certain amount of madness in the world in every generation. Those who lived in the first century lived under some political madness. I remind you that their brutality and insensitivity of Rome, the constant military presence of all the armies, the cruel and bitter slavery had driven the people to despair, to depression, and driven them to torment. Hope was all but gone. Their lives was filled with sickness. It was filled with disease and poverty. They felt like they were the scum of the earth, the people. And they were dehumanized because of all of that. And their lives were reduced to nothing but struggle for survival. And here comes a man preaching about the kingdom of God. And everybody says he's crazy. Here comes a man preaching about liberty, not just from politics, but liberty in the soul to be set free from sin and from bondage. And they say, he has a devil. He's insane. He's a crazy person. In Jesus' day as well as our own day, we live in a world that's gone mad. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of the lies that come out of Washington, D.C. I'm tired of the hypocrisy I hear on the major television networks that comes under the auspices of news. I'm tired of political correctness that's crammed down my throat as if though I don't have a brain in my head. I'm sick and tired today of lies and deception and the partisan politics that's forced on me to think that I am too dumb to know the difference between the truth and the lie. And today I am sick and tired of some of our so-called leaders talking to me like I don't have a brain in my head. And I find it rather insulting when they think I'm so dumb that I don't want to believe the bill of sale, bill of things that they're trying to cram down my throat. When people disagree with somebody's policies, they often attack their character. When people disagree with somebody's theology, they normally attack their personal beliefs. When somebody disagrees with somebody else's ability to think for themselves, they attack their mental abilities. And when someone doesn't perform just the way you want them to, they're going to say, you're crazy. You're a madman. You're a lunatic. You're left to center. All your pickles are not in the jar. The elevator does not go to the top floor. There's something wrong with you. We are a divided nation in so many ways. And I personally believe one of the root causes for that is because of many of our politicians and many of our news organizations that have divided our nation. And behind each and every one of those is the sinister laugh of the enemy of our soul, Satan himself, who wants to divide, to destroy, to conquer, and to destroy. Yes, there is a certain amount of madness in our land today. We live in a world that has gone mad beyond the media system, beyond the political system, but in everyday living. Whenever we live in a world where kids or people can walk into a school and shoot our children in a classroom, we live in a world gone mad. When a woman can give birth in an alley somewhere and take that newborn child and put it in a trash can because she does not want the responsibilities of that, cat, that child, we live in a world that's gone mad. When we live in a world today where you can't walk down the sidewalk for fear that somebody put a gun to your head behind you and kill you, we live in a world that's gone mad. When we live in a society that you cannot define what a man is and can't define what a woman is, we live in a world that has gone mad. When you live in a world today when you take a man and put a dress on and say, I'm a girl now, we live in a world that has gone mad. And let me tell you something, brothers and sisters, here's my point this morning. When wrong becomes right and right becomes wrong, we live in a world that has gone mad. Wherever you 
live in the present madness, the madness has a tendency to rub off on you. When you live in a society that has a certain amount of insanity to it, some of that insanity uh, seems like it rubs off on you and me. We might as well admit it this evening, this morning. All of the crazy people are not in the asylum today. I believe there's a lot of folk walking around in there that needs to be out here. And a lot of folk walking around out here, they need to be in there. If Jesus was crazy, could it be that his craziness reflected a deeper craziness in the world in which he himself lived? Because the madness of the day, perhaps some, what, maybe the people were somewhat justifiable in thinking that Jesus was crazy because of all the craziness going on in the world. I don't believe that some of our politicians and news media can be as crazy as they are, as educated as they are. But friend, they fell out of the stupid tree and hit every limb on the way down. <laughs> and you know what I'm talking about. And yet when you see the world that Jesus lived in, there was such craziness around it. Did people think he was crazy because of the world in which he lived? In, 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 in theology, we have a lot of different studies, all kinds of theologies, but there is a thing called lower criticism and higher criticism. Uh, one would examine the, the, the way the Bible is put together, and the other talks about much of the doctrine of the Bible. So there have been many people that have been uh, theologians that wouldn't know the Lord if they bumped into him in the parking lot outside this building, but they've studied about Jesus. They're based on his actions of history and biblical accounts, and psychologists have studied Jesus, and they have noticed that Jesus was a schizophrenic. Why is that? He claimed to be both human and divine. Something strange about Jesus. They said he's crazy. You're either God or you're not, and you can't be God, so you're human, but you claim to be both human and divine. Jesus is schizophrenic. In 1912, Philip Vama described Jesus as a myth, an imposter, and a, psych a psychotic. Some psychologists said that Jesus was a good man, a profound teacher, a heroic martyr, but he was a product of his time, a mere man of limitations for his period. Psychologist Margaret Washburn suggested that Jesus was not divine, rather he was insane. Others have said ignorant things about Jesus, about the mental faculties, and I need not press the issue today, but let me say this. Maybe they thought Jesus was crazy because of some of the people he ran around with. Think about this. Jesus did not hobnob with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and the priests and the rabbis. Jesus hobnobbed with the prostitutes, the drunkards, the tax collectors, the wine-bibbers, the downtrodden, the lepers. Something strange about Jesus, for him to be God in the flesh, for him to be who he said he was, why is he hobnobbing with these people? I talk to preachers today, you know what they tell me to do? Hobnob with the money people. Get in good with the money people. There's a Greek word for that. <laughs> There's an argument that could be made that Jesus ran around with some strange people. Jesus left the city. He headed for the country to take up with a man by the name of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was kind of weird. This guy came out draped in camel's hair and he ate bugs and jelly. And he baptized people in the Jordan River. One message, repent, repent, repent. When Jesus crawled in line, he was baptized. Something strange about Jesus running around that wild man. And then all of a sudden when Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water and he claimed he heard the voice from God from heaven. 
Something strange about Jesus Christ. On another occasion, Jesus left a hillside banquet. He got on a boat, went across the Sea of Galilee, and went to a cemetery. He went to that cemetery, and he found a madman who had no clothes on whatsoever. Boy, that'd make the Lakeland Ledger, wouldn't it? Preacher shows up in the cemetery, the naked man. Wouldn't that make the headlines today? The man was foaming at the mouth. He was out of his head. Well, he was wild. He was chained to protect himself and to protect other people. Jesus was a strange person. Walked up to that guy, claimed to talk to the wild man, and talked to demons. Well, you know there's no such thing as demon possession. That's a figment of your imagination. But Jesus talked to demons and even cast the demons out of the man. And the man left clothed and in his right mind. But there's something strange about Jesus. Jesus was born in poverty. It was stated that his little teenage mother, a Jewish girl, was a virgin. Something strange about that birth. How in the world can a virgin give birth to a child? And there's something strange about her. I mean, they, she, he was raised in a dysfunctional family. They were poor, and they had Jesus at 12 years old. They lost him for three solid days. Today, those parents would be put in the place of imprisonment somewhere. Child abuse would be the number one thing. And by the way, his family, they were a little dysfunctional, but I hope they put the word fun and function, dysfunctional. But they uprooted that boy when he was just a kid and moved him down to Egypt, an ungodly place in Egypt. And they left because they had a dream. They needed to go. An angel spoke. There's something weird about his family. There's something strange about Jesus. They're following dreams and visions and hearing voices and talking to crazy people. Something strange about Jesus. And years later, when Jesus grew up, there was rumor of a clandestine meeting between Jesus and a street woman. And you know what he said? Oh, I've just come to minister to her. I've come to cast the demons out of her. I want to put her back in sound. Hell, who's going to believe that? That's why the world said, Jesus, you're crazy. There's something wrong with you. His only excuse was, Whatever the Father tells me to do, I'm going to do it. That's a way to blame everything wrong on your daddy, isn't it? He told me to do it. He goes to Jacob's well, and there is a woman. Men did not approach women, and Jewish men did not approach Gentile women. He walks up to her, talks to her. Something strange about Jesus. And Jesus tells us everything that's going on within her world and she has peace with God once she leaves and goes tell the village, everybody, what Jesus has done for her. Something strange about Jesus. By the way, Jesus was the one that was led by the Holy Ghost into the wilderness. Who told you to come here? The Spirit of God. Where's he at? He's with me. I don't see him. This is the way the world approaches spiritual things. He was led of the Spirit into the wilderness. Tempted 40 days, you know what? He hears the voice of Satan now. He's listening to the voice of Satan and he's rebuking him with the word of God. But he's crazy. There's something strange about this man by the name of Jesus Christ. And by the way, his preaching was unorthodox at First Assembly down in Nazareth. They didn't just ask him to leave the church. They asked him to leave the city. He was speaking things or scratching their head going, man, you get out of my church and you get out of this city. We don't want anything to do. There's something strange about this man by the name of Jesus Christ. And then he turned water into wine at a place called Canaan. And then he's on a boat in the storm and he claims to walk on water. Something strange about this man. 
And then he turns around and he throws his hand out as some type of uh, meteorological intervention when he stood on the raging sea and the storm going, he goes, peace. This guy's crazy. If there was one of us that do that, you'd be calling 911, come get this crackpot preacher. He has gone overboard. Maybe you know I'm talking, telling the truth. But that's exactly what they were doing and the way they looked at Jesus. He's beside himself. And one time, Jesus was talking and preaching, and his family ran up and said, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed at what he's saying. I'm embarrassed at what he's done. We'll eat him out of here. Something strange and peculiar about this man called Jesus. No one comes, now comes, I should say, the final moment. And this is where the proverbial straw broke the camel's back. A gathering of scribes and Pharisees who meditated on the law day and night. And Jesus walks up to them and says, I am the good shepherd. Here comes that crazy guy again. When he said, I am, he said, I'm God. They knew David's shepherd. And Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And that was the thing that broke the camel's back. He had said in the presence of those who knew David's shepherd, who quoted it night and day, the Lord is my shepherd. But Jesus didn't say the Lord is my shepherd. He said, I am the good shepherd. And he said, I freely lay my life down and I will freely pick my life back up. No man takes my life. Here's that crazy Jesus again. He's saying things that makes no sense. And here they say, and not only that, but you know what else he said? I've not come just for the lost sheep of the household of Israel. There's that crazy man again. This is a Jewish religion. It's a Jewish God. We have a, we've got God in our hip pocket. Who are you to say you've come for somebody else? Not those nasty Gentiles. God is our God. And he said, I am the good shepherd. That is what hung him. That did it for Jesus. He claimed to be the shepherd's shepherd. And he claimed to love sheep outside the Jewish fold. Jesus was loved and accepted by God. I remind you, when he claimed he had power over life and death, they claimed he had a devil. But friend, the proof is in the pudding. They hated Jesus to the day he died, and they were plotting the day that he died. But when Jesus said, I lay my life down for them, I'm going to pick it back up. And even though the world may call him a devil-possessed man, they may say he was insane. They may have said he's a little left of center. They may say he was a crazy man. But everything that Jesus Christ said he would do, he did. Every promise he gave, he has fulfilled. He said, I have come to bear the sins of the world in my body. And they took him out and they stripped him of his clothes and they beat him profusely to where you could not understand what the man even looked like. Uh, so bad was his back beaten that Isaiah said that it looked like he'd, a, a, a sheep that had gone to the slaughterhouse. You couldn't even recognize he was even a man, but it pleased the father to bruise him. You talk about a crazy man. He must have been crazy because he died for you and he died for me as we spit in his face, as we put those stripes upon his back. And then he carried his cross to Calvary. And there they had to nail the horizontal and the vertical together and place that old rugged body upon the, uh, that old cross and nailed, nailed him to his cross with the hands and the feet and thrust that old cross in the ground and put a crown of thorns deep upon his brow. And there the son of God is 
is suspended between heaven and earth. And he that knew no sin became sin. And thank God, in his body, he bore your sins and mine, the, the, the sins of the entire world. And yet they laughed at him and said he was demon possessed. But on that cross, he was defeating every enemy. He was defeating sin. He was defeating skepticism. He was defeating philosopher. He was defeating everybody. And they even said, hey, if you are who you said you were, come down and save us. But Jesus Christ said, all I got to do is call the Father and he'll come and rescue. But I am going to lay one miracle in order that another miracle might come. He said, if I die upon this cross and my blood will be shed and it'll satisfy the holy demands of an almighty God and whosoever believeth in me will not perish but have everlasting life. Glory to God. And if you'll put your faith in the man called Jesus Christ, death will not hold you down. The grave will not hold you down. Demons cannot bother you. The powers of darkness cannot bother you because greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Glory to God. I'm here to tell you, Jesus Christ is who he said he was or he's the biggest liar that ever walked upon the face of the earth. Oh yeah, he died. He died a vicarious death. Took your place and mine. And the devil thought, man, we've got it made. This liar, this imposter, this fake, this hypocrite, this devil, they say, this insane person, his body's in the grave just like anybody else. And the Bible lets me know that his soul was carried into Abraham's bosom. I've often tried to think about that, what it must have been like. This just come to mind again this morning, so let me share it. What it must have been like. I believe that Satan and all the demons of darkness were having a party. We've defeated God's plan of salvation. He bleeds like man. He died just like man. He's pushing up daisies in the grave just like man. The body's deteriorating just like any other man. And they're saying, you defeated him, Satan. You've defeated him. The lies worked. The deceptions worked. You are great and greater than God. They're eating deviled ham and deviled eggs. Red pop, oh, they're just having a party. But Jesus Christ down there in Abraham's bosom, as he walks around, he sees old Abel. Who are you looking for, son? The perfect sacrifice. A little further, he sees Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Who are you looking for? The fourth one in the fiery furnace. A little further, he sees Daniel. Who are you looking for? The man in the den of lions. A little further, who are you looking for? John the Baptist beheaded. I know you. I baptized you. I'm the one that said that you're preferred before me, that I brought the waterworks, but you're bringing the fireworks. What are you doing here? You're supposed to be the one that overcame it all. And Jesus said, I am. I am. Him that was alive and died of old, I am alive forevermore. He took the keys of death, the grave, and shook them in the face of the devil and said, I am alive. But I tell you what, in my mind, I believe he walked over to Satan and said, you know what? You have bruised my heel, but according to the word of the Father, I am here to sever your neck. And he led captivity captive and gave good gifts unto men. Today, when you and I die, there is no Abraham's bosom, but to be absent from the body is to be present with the Almighty God in heaven. I am grateful today that I put my faith in that man called Jesus Christ. He is not a liar. He is not insane. He is not a crazy man. He is not left to sinner. He is the Almighty God who overcome everything that was ever thrown at him. He overcame the lies of the devil, and he endured the cross, despising the shame for the joy 
joy that was set before him. You and I are his joy today in that he died for us. Do you have faith in a crazy man or do you have faith in the son of God? Do we place our confidence in what others have said about him or do we experience firsthand what he has said about himself that's undeniable, he is the almighty God. Do we allow the skeptics, the unbelievers, the psychologists, the gurus to tell us that we should look at Jesus as they do or do we choose to look at him through the lens of the word of God? I believe, friend, this is the only thing that's going to float and everything else around this world sinks. Get in God's word and let the God of the word get inside of you. Jesus is not politically correct. He is the only source of our salvation. The only way to have peace with God. I trust him over the ideas, over the opinions, over the suggestions, over the rhetoric, and over the popularity of humanity today. He is Jesus. He is my friend. He is my savior. He is my Lord. He is my soon coming King. Jesus is my everything.